Where do we go? This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians. Brought to you by Advent Health. With the support of world-class expertise and whole-person care, it's time to feel whole with Advent Health. To learn more, visit adventhealth.com. Now your host, Bucs team reporter Casey Phillips, along with head coach Bruce Arians. It's time for another edition of the Coach Bruce Arians Show. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. Um, first of all, before we get into sort of the X's and O's of the game, it was the salute to service game, which I know is one that uh, is near and dear to your heart mm-hmm. and that you love. Take us through a game like that and um, what that adds to it, even as a coach. I know you've talked about how much you love the, the anthem and all those things pregame. What is that like to get to see a game Yeah, like I that? think this game is very, very special. Uh, you, get to, you get to thank some servicemen and women personally that are at the game, uh, but to salute them, on a, on a, in a game, a, a whole day, is really, really special. I mean, because you can't say thank you enough. Yeah. So getting into the game part, I know that uh, a big storyline that a lot of people have already been asking about, Jameis's turnovers, you mentioned that um, something we've been saying all year, that they're not always on him. If you just look at the stat sheet, I know that was the case in, in yesterday's game as well. So um, can you just tell us a little bit about, take us through the different interceptions and evaluate each of them in terms of a who all they were sort of on and, and how they're things that you can maybe turn around and fix now. Yeah, I, I think the first one, you know, he throws the ball to OJ and somehow it ends up behind his back and he flips it up in the air. Uh, they catch it for an interception similar to what happened in San Francisco. Uh, but, you know, that one, that one gave them an easy touchdown in the first quarter, which has been a habit, which has been a bad, bad habit. Um, the other three are strictly on Jameis. He tried to force one down the middle right before the end of the half. And normally that ball bounces back. It bounce, hits him in the back, bounces straight up to the guy. We don't get a field goal um, before the half, which was huge because we had ball coming out second half and we scored. So we had a chance for a double score. Um, he, get, he gets injured, probably should have taken him out. Um, and he, he went to throw the ball in a, in a, on a bad ankle and the ball was high and hot and it ends up being a pick six. And then the last one was just, you know, Brian snaps the ball too soon. Um, he's sending the guy in motion, catches it, just th- throws it out to Mike and throws an interception. So three of them are on him. And you mentioned uh, getting the ball coming out of halftime that normally when you have been winning the coin toss, you've chosen to take the ball first. You, you chose to defer this game. What was, the, was that about the Saints or was that about what you guys uh, We doing? talked about a bunch putting the defense out first uh, and getting, getting a stop. Uh, we held them to three, but it was still too much, too, about seven-minute drive. Uh, but we wanted that ball to start the third quarter, and, uh, and we got it. We got points. Another, I know another call that, and we're not going to make you talk about the refs because we know that we're already in that warning stage, but um, Mike Evans, the offensive pass interference, overall he seems like a player that gets this called on him a lot. Um, what do you feel like it is that either he's doing or that they think they're seeing, and maybe in that call specifically in the yeah, game? Yeah, most of those are downfield because Mike's big and tall, and, and, and he's done a great job of keeping his hands in this year mm-hmm. and not, not extending his arms because it's been a point of emphasis for the last couple of years. But at the line of scrimmage, I've never seen that call. I mean, he just says arm over move. The guy has bad technique and falls, and that's a huge play. Yeah. Um, you know, we challenged it, didn't win, and um, – uh, that's just the way the league is right now. Yeah, and looking at Mike and Chris, um, 
teams have typically chosen to focus on one of them, which has left the other one available to have a bigger game, but the Saints were able to limit both of them, something that teams hadn't really been able to do all season. What did you feel like they had done, or was it Mike and Chris? You know, What sort of led to the ability for them to shut both of them down? They did a good job of doubling both those guys. That's why Cam had 12 targets and the backs you know, had targets. Uh, but when they were one-on-one, we missed them. And, uh, you know, it was like they're doubled, they're doubled. Oh, they're not doubled, and I missed it. And uh, we had Mike deep one time. I was happy to see Scotty Miller break out a little bit. Jameis caught him down the field, just missed him down the middle one time. Um, And those are the guys that were going to have to win, the the slot receiver and the tight ends. And overall, the Saints seem to be the team that – most have Mike Evans figured out more than others. And uh, I think even thinking that maybe no Lattimore in the game was going to be an opportunity, so it shows it wasn't necessarily even just one corner for them. Um, is it just the fact that they have gotten so good at doubling him in ways? I mean, yeah, they, other teams they, have a, they have an excellent matchup cover two zone scheme. And uh, whether play man-to-man on the backside or zone on the front side or run somebody out and double Mike and have somebody over the top. So, you know, this time they did a good job of doubling both those guys on first down. And our tight end should have had a big game. And Cam Braid, you know, you mentioned that a lot of balls went his way. Um, was it good to see him get more involved in general that I know that um, between him and OJ this year that, you know, you talk about how there's not always enough balls to go around. Mm-hmm. Is that helpful to have a game where you get other guys like that? Oh, going? yeah, but this game was per- uh, imperative because they were going to double the outside guys. Mm-hmm. So those inside guys, whether it be Scotty, the tight ends, or the backs, they had to win. Yeah, and, and, and Scotty, I mean, that was a huge game for him and wanted that touchdown for him that was so sad for him to feel like he got got that first one of the career and got it called back. But uh, what have you seen from him and, and the growth that he's shown so far this yeah, year? Yeah, he's gotten better and better, you know, and uh, he got a he got a big play inside. And then the third down and six, he ran his route a little short. We end up with that fourth and one where Mike gets the penalty. Just just know where the sticks are and and, uh, and get that first down. Is that typically one of the biggest issues you see in rookie wide receivers is, is the route running or what are some of those biggest growing pains they tend to have coming in? It's just the volume, the volume of offense and the volume of defense. I say, you know, in college you might see two two coverages, mm-hmm. and the, because they play that fast-paced game, and uh, but it, it's just a volume of information. You mentioned uh, Jameis being a little hobbled at the end of the game, and that's when uh, one of the interceptions came. Uh, was there a thought about bringing Ryan Griffin in at that point? Yeah, we had him warming up, and uh, Jameis said he he could protect himself and move around, so we want to keep him in the game. And how big is it just moving forward to think about? Um, trying to get, do you, do you feel the need to get Ryan Griffin reps just because we haven't gotten to see him in a regular season game? No, not, not, we're going we're gonna to play our best guys right now. He's not one of our best guys, so, right. you know, so that's just the way it is. Yeah, and, and how big is that to know that Jameis is the kind of guy that is going to fight to be out there? That was great. I mean, that's what you want out of your leader. How much do you listen to players in that situation? When are the times that you have to overrule them? When are the times that you do trust them in that word? How challenging is that in the heat of the moment to have that kind of conversation? Yeah, you, you've got to have trust in each other. You know, tell me the truth. And he, he went out and, and, um, and he moved around okay. Mike Edwards, another rookie that was called upon in some big ways and uh, in sort of a new way as well, throwing him in there in, in nickel. What was sort of the um, idea going into the game about why you were using different DBs in different positions and, and the game plan back there? Yeah, we had a, a bunch of double coverage for, for Michael Thomas, but we busted two of them. And, uh, and he got a lot of yards, you know. Um, yeah, Mike, Mike played a really good game except for two plays. And uh, he got beat inside when he's supposed to, in two-man, when you can never get beat inside, and, and gave up a big play to Cook. We held him to a field goal. Uh, but, you know, he's a good blitzer. We're going to play a lot of zone. He's a good tackler. So it was, it, you know, Carlton came back. And uh, I really want to see Jamel Dean out on the field. So uh, we got to fix that. 
And what had Mike Edwards shown you to this point to make you trust that even as a rookie that you could, against someone like Drew Brees and Michael Thomas, put him in a new position? Well, that, that's, that's, his, that's what his best position is. Mm -hmm. You know, he's played safety nickel his whole career. And, uh, you know, we've used him as nickel some. But, uh, the, and he had a great week of practice. Overall, how would you evaluate, especially the young DBs, of knowing that when Vernon Hargraves was released, that it was just going to be a group that you had to rely on a lot of young guys? Yeah, that's where we're at right now. And uh, get a lot of experience, and some of it's good, some of it's bad. But, uh, you know, I, I like where they're at. They're going to get better. And uh, we should have a, they got a great challenge ahead of them this week. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. So whenever we talk about these divisional games and the second time you're playing them, you always kind of wonder how much will change or be the same from the first matchup. Overall, what did you see that they did, either similar or different to that first game? Uh, defensively, very similar. You know, we dug a hole to be down 20 zip real quick and only had three plays in the first quarter. So that kind of changed our game plan. Uh, offensively, Drew's, Drew's one of the guys that if you don't knock him down, he's going to find a check down somewhere. And they, they did a great job of playing this game in five, third and five or less because he kept getting the check downs. And, uh, you know, when we kept him in third and five or longer, we were good. When it was third and five or less, we didn't. I know that, that you talked about the time of possession. I mean, did you feel like you saw that impact this defense um, going into the game, knowing that especially how early on, how often they had to be on the field? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I mean, we, we had chances to get off the field. And we didn't get it done, whether it be a mental error or just not making a play. And we just didn't make enough plays defensively, especially our front four. Mm. And Devin White, though, had 14 stops, 12 tackles. Um, where does this rank in terms of uh, the games he's had so far and, and the growth that he's showing? He's getting better and better. You know, he's, he's, with that, he's knee brace free, and, and he's playing a lot faster. And, uh, yeah, he, he had a heck of a ball game. Um, you mentioned how hard it is to, to try to slow down Breeze, especially if you're not getting to him as often. Uh, why do you feel like we weren't able to get to him quite as much, especially after seeing what the Falcons had done to him the week before, or even just forcing some more turnovers? Why, why was he able to play such a clean game? Yeah, they did a pretty good job of chipping our outside guys and, and sliding the protection to the inside guys. Um, you know, we got there on one blitz, but we just didn't get there enough. The 17-point the rally that you guys essentially came on once you mentioned getting down 20-0, to zero, is there something encouraging to that fact? I feel like that's something we've said a few different weeks where this is not a team that, that seems to give up even if you get in those no, holes. No, we'll never give up. It's just quit digging the hole. Right. You know, quit digging the hole and have to have a ladder to get out of. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's frustrating to spot people at points in the mm -hmm. first quarter then then play, play pretty well after that. And Alvin Kamara, you know, we know he's a guy that can definitely get his yards. Overall, how would you evaluate our run defense? That's definitely been one of the, the strengths of the defense all year. And, and how did you feel like that specific game was? It was probably, it was okay, just because we were playing a lot of zone coverage to double-team people uh, and give up a few runs. But, you know, there were no long, long runs. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but he's a heck of a back, and it's more checkdowns. He caught a pass, we missed a tackle, and he gets a big play. He's going to make the tackle. It's a four-yard gain. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians going into Atlanta now this week. Um, why do you feel like they started 1-7 and seven when if people had only watched their last couple games, they would definitely not think that those were essentially the, the same two teams? What was, especially the beginning of the season, why they were struggling and then what has changed? I think early in the season it was turnovers offensively and, and finding their way defensively. Uh, but the last two weeks... You know, Raheem Morris is, I think, calling the defense, especially on third down. And uh, he switched over from offense. They did some coaching changes mm -hmm. on their staff, and it's showing up on the field. They're playing with a lot more energy than they were playing with earlier. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people asking how much that actually has impacted or can when they hear that it's essentially the same coaches, but they just kind of did this little shuffle around. Mm -hmm. 
how much can that impact what's going on with the team? I think it, it can, you know, especially Raheem. He's got a fiery personality, and, uh, you know, he, he brings the best out of those guys. How interesting is it to have both of your games against the Falcons be this late when it does seem like it's a very different Falcons team to be facing now as compared to earlier in the year? So how unique is that when it comes to it, especially a division team, when both of your games are much later in the year? Yeah, it's been it's been that way for for me the whole time I've been coaching. It was usually you know Seattle for us and, and Arizona, but um, you know you don't like to play play them like twice in three weeks, you know, which we've done in the past. And uh, but yeah, this is we're catching them when they're on fire and then time to put the fire out. Yeah, how different is that to prepare, like you said, when it is two times maybe really quickly, you know, together or. Um, how does that potentially change the way that you could try to game plan as compared to you know when the teams may have changed? It really a lot? doesn't. You know, you play to win. Mm-hmm. You play to win the first one. And don't worry about the second one. Right. And uh, and when you get to the second one, you change some things up and do the things that you were successful with the first time. And what have you seen from Matt Ryan this year? And I mean, his career overall, and then where he's at at this point in his staging career. Yeah, I, I still think Matty Ice has it. I mean, he he's played really really well. I mean, that comeback they had out in Arizona. Uh, they missed an extra point to lose a ball game, you know, after they were down, I think, 34 to 10 or 34 to 21. And uh, he's he's still on fire. He's got great receivers. And, uh, you know, they, they're they playing really, really well right now. And how did you – how have you seen that they were able to get to Drew Brees, you know, six times, Kyle Allen five times? I mean, to know that they've gotten 11 sacks in two games, what have you seen from that defense? And then how do you feel confident that our offensive line is going to be able to not ha- let that be a three-week-in-a-row yeah, thing? Yeah, I mean, it has to be. I mean, it's not a lot of blitzing. You know, it's just the front four getting there. There are a lot of coverage sacks. They're doing a lot of a really good job in their coverage, which is letting those guys get home. But they beat the tackles from Carolina clean way, way too fast. Which do you think impacts – the other one more when you're saying that the front four are getting there because of the coverage or is the front four getting there helping the coverage which do you see tend to be the the bigger reason that which one impacts the other group it, more? it's hand in hand you know that you know when you're playing man to man you should be able to hold them off long enough for your front four to get there and in zone coverage you need to get pressure and make the ball come out where your eyes are on the quarterback and on the ball and you get interceptions how about their defense holding i mean both the, the panthers and the saints without a touchdown that's that's a tall order. So yeah. overall, what do you feel like is the base? And you know, we, we talked about the pressure, but what has this defense been able to do that that's a whole other level of, of holding them even without a touchdown? Yeah, it looks like they've gone back to what they've done in the past. And, uh, and they're playing, it's not very complicated, so they are playing very, very fast. Mm-hmm. Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, that's, that's quite a duo over there, something we know a lot about, having the, the tough duo over here. So um, what are the biggest things that you're going to try to do to, to slow them down? And, and, and in some ways, is it helpful that our defense faces a duo a lot like them every week in practice. Yeah, um, you know, our starters don't go against our guys in practice, but, uh, you know, they have all camp and all OTAs, so it seems like, you know, we have great receivers every week, and Michael Thomas is leading the league. So, you know, Julio, this is a good pair of receivers, plus a great tight end if he's playing. And uh, so, yeah, they they present a heck of a challenge, and whether you're playing man or zone, you still get to the quarterback. Yeah, the fact that their offense has done what it has even – Again, without Austin Hooper or Devontae Freeman this last week, what what did the two of them bring, depending on their availability, the, the, an entire other wrinkle, essentially, to the Oh, offense? yeah, well, Devontae, he's a downhill, hard-nosed runner, and uh, and he's a good pass receiver. He's an excellent pass blocker. Uh, Hooper's just a, he's just a heck of a tight end. He's a good blocker. He's a good receiver. Uh, he's kind of Matt's safety valve. Uh, both those guys are safety valves for him, but, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll miss him if they're not playing. You hear that football is so often a game of matchups in a lot of ways. How do you feel like, in terms of our strengths and weaknesses and their strengths and weaknesses, how do you feel like they match up? I think it's a good matchup for us. You know, I, I think we'll, Mike, he'll get his his opportunities like he kind of did in Seattle, as will Chris. 
And, uh, you know, we just got to protect our quarterback. We got to run the football. We can't, we can't spot them 15 points and then play behind, especially on the road. When you've talked about the being behind aspect of things, um, how quickly do you need to get away from the run game? Are there times when even if you are behind, you're really wanting to still kind of force that? What, how, what dictates how you make those decisions, and, and especially in, in the Saints game on yeah, Sunday? Yeah, it's going to be the number of possessions you have. You know, the Saints were possessing the ball uh, at a high rate, mm-hmm. and uh, the points weren't as big because we held them to field goals. Uh, we give them one on offense. But it's no, we're not going to get about five or six more possessions, so we got to go fast. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians, and we are going to try something a little different. We are taking your fan questions. If you would like to submit a question for Bruce, uh, make sure you're going over to the Buccaneers Instagram after games where they are soliciting the questions from the story, and you can leave yours there. Uh, we've got a few from the fans after the game. Last night we had one asking, uh, have you considered blitzing less and focusing on coverage more? Uh, we, did, we did, especially in this ball game. We knew Drew Brees would, would pick it up and know where to go with the football. So we played a lot more matchup zone. And uh, other than a couple of plays pretty successful, he had a lot of checkdowns. And uh, we didn't tackle the checkdown well enough. Uh, our next question from a fan asked, how do you plan to maximize the use of Mike and Chris while minimizing interceptions? Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's hard to do. We just got to throw it to them, not the other team. It's, not, it's really not that hard. Uh, uh, in this ball game, they're going to get a lot of one-on-one. And uh, so they got to win one-on-one. we got to protect and deliver the ball in time. And what makes you say that this particular game, you know they're going to be facing a lot of one-on-one, just knowing what the Falcons like to That's do That's just their base, their yeah. base defense is, is you know, cover one, one, cover three, single high safety. Okay. Um, our third question we got from a fan said, what is the team's priority moving forward, and what would you like to see most? Eliminate turnovers and win. And win. <laughs> and win. And win. I like that. Uh, and our last one says, does your wife go to the games? Oh, yeah. Yeah, every game. Every game. And what I would love to know, what does she like after the games with you? Oh, she's great. Yeah. She's, yeah, does she's, she know to kind of, like, if it's a loss, like, stay out of your way? No, or no. Like... She'll, she's got her questions. She wants answers. <laughs> I love, maybe, I, does it sound like I'm about to lose my job to your wife as the reporter <laughs> that she's got a lot of questions oh, for you? Oh, she's got the questions. Believe me. So was she always like this, or was this like... No, after about 35 years of this, you know, she's become pretty pretty sharp about she's, football. She's got some opinions and thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you ever taken her opinion on anything or used something that she said to influence anything about your coaching? I'll take the fifth on that Yes, <laughs> that's that's a great idea. I love that. Um, so, yeah, so moving forward, this this Atlanta game, how important is this? What is the message now knowing with you know that this record it is, unfortunately, a hole that the team has dug? So what is the message that you now have for the team in each one of these games? Well, it's right now we're, we're having great weeks of practice and preparations guys are staying extra or studying stuff but it's not showing up on Sunday it's time for it to show up on Sunday and don't be afraid of making a mistake just cut it loose and play what is the reason you tend to see of why it will show up in practice but not in the game where is that disconnect? that's, that's the million dollar question yeah. because if you, we can both make a lot of money if we knew the answer to that. well then that's my that's my goal for this next week that's what we're going to work on all right well thanks so much coach coming up after this break we're going to have quarterback coach Clyde Christensen, so don't go anywhere. This is brought to you by Advent Health. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. Now more with head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Bucks Total Access. We had Bruce Arians with us the first half of the show, and now I am so excited to be joined by quarterback coach Clyde Christensen. Clyde, thanks for being with us. Good to be with you, Casey. And uh, you have a really unique coaching history and even a history with the Buccaneers, fans that have been uh, with the team for a while. I'm sure recognize your name from back in the Dungy era. So um, for people who aren't as familiar with, with your past, just basically take us through your coaching history and, and how you got to this point now. Yeah, I spent uh, 16 years in 
college, co coaching college, really enjoyed it and was at Clemson there when Coach Dungy called and just kind of just gotten a Tampa Bay job, just interviewed for the Tampa Bay job. Him and I had struck up a great friendship and and uh, kind of brothers and, and become brothers, close brothers. And uh, so when he got the Tampa Bay job, I joined him down here. So that was my first year in the league. We had a great little run here, turning it around and uh, having some exciting times. Went up to Indy with him and then uh, have spent the last 24 years in the NFL. In Indy for 15 years, here for six years, Miami for three, and then back here this year with uh, Coach Arians. Wow, that's an incredible run. And um, what are the different roles specifically you've had in terms of, um, I know here you're the quarterback coach, but uh, within the NFL, the different jobs that you've yeah, had? Yeah, done a little bit of everything, but usually it's been quarterback receivers, coordinated at all three places, and and uh, so so pretty much you know anything to do with the quarterback and the passing game and the receivers. Some years it was receivers, some years it was quarterback, some years it was both. Some years it was coordinating, so, but all kind of in that same role, if you will. And what do you feel like the biggest differences are when you went from college to the NFL and some of these different stops that you've had? What are the biggest things that you've learned along the way and maybe the, the different ways even that you might coach college players versus NFL guys and when you get to be more of a, a coordinator versus a position coach? How do you attack those different roles? Good question. Um, a lot, of people, a lot of the high school and college coaches ask that, and really the coaching hasn't changed. You know, like I really have found that if you treat people with respect and you teach, and if you if you can make them better, then they they you know then they they really respond. I've I've not had any bad experiences in this league. You know, you kind of worry that prima donna, the money, all those things. And I really think the pros maybe even more than the college kids. You know, they just want to improve. If you can help them improve, then they're they're listening. They're all ears and. Uh, so that's been really, really a positive experience. Um, the coordinating is is a is a ton of football, and and uh, I probably enjoy the positional coaching more than I did the coordinating. Just just having a room and having some guys, and you know I'm kind of relational, and and I, I enjoy that part of it more than kind of that management of, and of having the whole offense and and that. So this was really an attractive job for me to just come coach the quarterback and and have a room of three or four guys, which which has probably been the Thing I get the biggest kick out of seeing three or four guys improve and coaching them and getting to know them and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so the the coordinator job is just a, a high pressure job, which is which is fine, but it's just a a ton of football, maybe a little less people, and uh, it's more spread out. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And you know, with all the movement coaches have around the league, it's not uh, super common for somebody to get multiple stops at one place. So how, how unique mm. was that to get to come back to Tampa? Really unique. I think it was unique and especially to come back here with Coach Arians. I'd worked with Coach Arians in the early 80s at Temple and I'd worked with him at Indianapolis. He had popped through there for, for a fun year, Lux rookie year. And so, so to come back with nine guys who I was really familiar with already who were on that Temple staff or playing at Temple in 82, you know, was extremely familiar. And then of course, knowing the Glaziers and knowing the area and having a daughter in the area and uh, had such a great, had a great experience here just watching this thing turn around and, and uh, going to that championship game and losing a heartbreaker there in St. Louis. But, uh, you know, just good memories and raising the kids here and the town and the community, church and relationships, you know, that was really an easy, smooth move, which is kind of unusual. Usually it's shock to the system and it's a new town and a new everything and this had a lot of familiarities. Yeah, that's huge. And and you mentioned how close you got with Dungy. Just tell everybody a little bit about what it was like to coach under him, with him and, and in that specific time here in Buccaneer history. Yeah, no, we you know, it was kinda of fun because we had struck up a friendship and we kinda of had some of the same values and 
you know, we really both wanted to find a way. We were both young, younger, young coaches and uh, kind of always had great discussions on how do we balance work and family, you know, and neither of us wanted to compromise family, and, uh, but we both wanted to do a great job on, in the workplace. And uh, so it was kind of a great friendship based on that. And, uh, um, and, and Bruce's, Coach Arians has been kind of the same thing. I, I always tease it. He, he's dungy, he's loyal, he cares about people, his football is really good, he, he's, he's, he's probably dungy with a little bit rougher language, but he's kind of <laughs> the same guy, I have the same attraction to him of the same things, that he cares about people, that he treats people with respect, and that his football is really, really good, and uh, so it feels it feels similar that way. I've been really fortunate in working for, for good people. Yeah, that's amazing, and I know one of the areas you mentioned that you uh, share with Dungy is, is the, the morals, values, and faith size. You also get to be in charge of um, hosting chapel for the team, and you mentioned how relational you are, that that's a big part of it, so how do you feel like that has contributed to the role that you get to play with this organization that you mentioned you really only have about three guys in your room, but getting to be a part of the larger team when it comes to the chapel side of things. Yeah, coach asked me to take over that and just kind of oversee it. I don't, I don't do a ton of it, but we have a we have a great coaches Bible study on once a week in the mornings. It's really kind of special, and you know, coaching for me has always felt like a high calling. You know, it's it's, it's bigger than football. It's bigger than a job. It's it's a chance to have an impact in a community and young men's lives and families, their families and. So, so coaching's always been more of a high calling to me than it is just coaching football and having a job, you know. So that gives me a chance to kind of, kind of bring different speakers in in front of the guys and uh, just, just to give them a wide range of, of faith and family and and uh, how to do life and uh, and that's really important to me and and it's, it's probably why I got into coaching. It's probably still gives me the biggest charge in coaching, you know. So there's nothing like being on the front line of men developing as men and trying to win some football games along the way and all that football teaches you through the hardships like some of them this year like last like last Sunday and uh, you know you, you learn through it all and you and you just keep trucking and uh, so that, that's been a blessing to be able to be a part of be involved in people's lives that way. That's great we're talking to quarterback coach Clyde Christensen here and um, you mentioned that you have known Bruce Arians for quite a while now how would you say that he has either changed or stayed the same since you first started uh, getting to know him in the yeah, 80s? Yeah, that's the easiest question of them all. He has not changed one <laughs> bit, not, not, not one bit. And uh, he, is, uh, he is the exact same guy. That's probably the greatest compliment I could give him. He, he is the same guy, and uh, he coaches the same way. He sees football the same way. He sees coaching the same way. He, he always has had an extremely as loyal a guy as this league has, you know, he's just loyal to his guys and uh, players play for him and uh, we will see this thing turn around because of that and I've just seen it too many times with him and, uh, but he, that, that, that's an easy question, he hasn't changed, I, you know, we used to play golf 25 years ago and we'll go out golfing and he hasn't changed, you know, there's still going to be a, a wedge flying through the air if it doesn't hit the green and a uh, few choice words for it <laughs> and, uh, and, and some great fellowship and some great competition and, uh, We'll compete like heck for for five bucks out there and have a have a have a fun time. So he's just an enjoyable guy to be around. I think it shows by how many of his his guys have come back. You know, like they they people want to work for him. He has a great reputation in the league. He respects your time. He respects your your family. He wants the he wants you to do the family part of the equation right. And uh, and that's that's probably rare in our in our profession. That, that's extremely rare. And him and Coach Dungey were the same that way. That they put a high emphasis on you being around. Whenever you can, this job is demanding, and there's no shortcut to it. But, 
but whenever you can, not to waste time to, to get your tail home and, and be a husband and a, and a father like you're supposed to be. Now a grandfather, but yeah, like you're supposed to be. That's awesome. I love that. And um, you mentioned how you have done the coordinator stuff before, and um, this coaching staff is, is so big, and there's so many different people mm-hmm. in roles. I would love to know how you work with some of the other guys, especially offensively, that you have. Harold Goodwin is the run game coordinator. Mm-hmm. You have you know Byron Leftwich offensive. And you, you have just so many different people um, that have such different backgrounds and, and knowledge. So how do you guys really all come together to form the game plan and, and the role that you play in, in dictating? what you feel like is going to work well yeah mine is probably the, fir- the first thing is that it you know like coach always hires guys who don't have an ego and don't have an agenda so it's a really smooth staff that's extremely rare in this league that people aren't don't have their own agenda or their own plans or it's their own career and this thing is all about winning and and, and putting out a good product. And so that part of it's been really easy to work within. We all kind of pitch in on the thing. It's been, I think one of my roles would be just to support Byron, who's a young guy and he's really sharp. He's really bright. He does a great job and it's really been fun for me. I think that, you know, I think Coach Arians used the word, you know, we're going to sandwich Byron. I'll be above and you be below, but, you know, we're going to kind of sandwich him in and just help support him and help him do a great job, which, which I really think he's done a great job. And, uh, so, so just I support in any way that I can, and the best thing that I can do is coach the quarterback and and uh, do my job there and get him playing better. And how much has uh, it helped that Byron Leftwich not only played quarterback but in Bruce's system? How unique is that in terms of what it's done for you and your room for Jameis? Yeah. That just the familiarity there and someone that so and not just played it but so recently. Yeah, no, he's. It's been big help, you know. I, th- I think he commands a lot of respect from the players. He relates with them extremely well. He knows this offense. He knows it from the quarterback position. He knows it from the pocket. He knows it from Coach Arians and where he's going to go, what he's going to do, how he's going to call things. And uh, they really are on the same page, which makes it really smooth. And then Coach Arians has done a great job just inputting it, but letting Byron do his thing. And uh, so that's been really good. Byron's really run the quarterback meetings a lot of the quarterback meetings and uh, and the reads and some of those things and I've kind of been the support guy and then also just you know the the technique and fundamentals and the throw in motion all those kind of things so I'm always teased I'm kind of the swing coach and he's kind of the course manager for the quarterbacks and uh, so and, and and it's worked extremely well I really I, I really enjoy Byron I enjoy working with him and for him and uh and uh, he's he's a lot like he's he's a lot like Bruce. He reminds me of Bruce, you know, just because he was with Bruce so long. He has some of the same mannerisms and the same ways he does things. Yeah, that makes complete sense. All right, well, we still have plenty more coming up here with quarterback coach Clyde Christensen on Bucks Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health, with head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks insider Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. We have quarterback coach Clyde Christensen here with us. And, of course, uh, we got to start talking about some Jameis stuff. We talked about your history and coaching past in that first segment. So um, what did you know about Jameis before coming here, and, and what about him made you want to take this job? Yeah, very little. Did I, I had never met him. I didn't know anybody who had really worked with him a bunch. I would followed him from afar, so to speak. And uh, so, But what made the job kind of interesting was that, you know, that, that he, he – he had started for four years. He had been really productive, even though the thing hadn't turned around here. And uh, just he had a toughness about him. He had a he wanted to work. He had a willingness to work that that you always look for in in you know who you work for with of the quarterbacks you work with. And uh, so I thought he'd just be a fun challenge. He was young enough that he was still moldable, but he was 
you know, but he was experienced enough that it wasn't like having a rookie again. And uh, so that, that uh, and I thought he really fit, would fit perfect in Coach Arians' offense, you know, that it was downfield. It was, you know, you got to be a big strap and tough guy who can throw a ball downfield to play in this offense. And, and I thought he did have some of those things. And so it felt like really a great challenge and kind of fun to be a part of. And then when I met him, he's probably opposite of, uh, you know, you, you, it was probably opposite. I, I didn't know what, what to expect, but probably expected, you know, maybe a little more of a, of a urban guy and found a country guy and, uh, you know, and just, and so he's been, he's been delightful. He, he wants to win. He wants to be good. He wants to work. He, uh, he probably, if, ever, if, ever, if we've had conflicts, it's been in him overworking, you know, just being able to, to rein him in that, you know, more isn't always better in this, in this, in anything, but certainly in quarterback and more isn't always better. So, so uh, he's, he's really been a pleasure to work with that way. That's incredible. And, and explain to people his work ethic of when you talk about how the fact that you're essentially having to rein him in, explain why that is and, yeah. and what he tries to do in the course of a week. Several things that it's a long, in, in season, it's, it's, it's a long season and you got to get your rest. Rest is as important as the exercise and the work. And, uh, you know, I, I come in probably at 5.30 every day, 5.45 every day, and uh, his trucks usually beats me here, you know, so just getting him to just use his time efficiently to get out of here, which he's doing a better job on the back end. He's still extremely early into the building, but, you know, just to get home and to keep a balance is extremely important for these guys that it doesn't get out of whack or it can just swallow you. And uh, it was the same with Peyton, who's a work workaholic and a, a worker, a great worker, and then Andrew Luck, who we had there in Indy and you know, same thing that those guys, those guys will be here 24-7 if you let them. Off-season wise, you know, we've had to talk to them about number of throws and, and uh, you know, that you don't leave practice and go over to another field and start do another practice session. You know, that that's not productive. Mm -hmm. that, that it sounds good and you might think you're, you're working hard, but sometimes there's diminishing returns in it. So we've had to talk to them a lot about just kind of a pitch count and being smart with his, his time and... Uh, you know that he'll get plenty of we'll get we'll get him plenty of work throughout the year and and it's a full year schedule and it's you know that that uh, you, you know you want to peak at the right time you want to rest at the right time and and uh, you want to work at the right time so we're we're getting those in their category slowly but surely yeah and I'm sure as a coach you can't ask for anything better than someone you're basically having to tell to work less and yeah. instead of trying to although motivate someone to work more that's right although it's still a problem if you don't do it you yeah know, I still, <laughs> right I, I still believe in listening to the coach and uh, and. Uh, and he does for the most part, but but he, he he does try and sneak out there a little extra all the time. So you got to keep your eye on him. Keep your eye on him. I love that. Uh, what are his biggest strengths on the field? I think probably his work ethic. I think you know that um, his toughness. I think he's a he's a tough guy. He stays healthy. You know, he plays through pain. He plays with pain. And uh, and uh, I think that the way he approaches it, seven days a week, 365 days a year, is a, one of his real strengths. That. You know, he doesn't just go get away from it and let himself get out of shape and those things. So those would be, I think, his strengths. How do you see other guys on the team respond to him? And, you know, especially coming out of college, that was a big thing everybody talked about with him was his leadership, was mm -hmm. the way that he could motivate other people. Um, when you came in here and saw it for yourself, what are the ways that you've seen that uh, he can affect other people in that locker room? Yeah, I think, I think you know, his humility is attractive to people. That I think that's probably the thing that you don't, realizes he's an extremely humble guy. He's an extremely humble guy, and I think guys respond to that. Guys know that he's working hard. Guys know that he's he's putting in the time, and, uh, you know, now, you know, we got to win some games and and, uh, and follow that way, too. So that, that's, that's, that's important. But he, 
He does. The players respond to him. They they like him personally. They know that he's working. They know that he's putting in the time. And and I think he's an unselfish guy. He's not. He, you know, it's not about. It's not. Everything's not all about him, which can be at that position in this league sometimes. And it's not all about him. He doesn't look for extra special preferential treatment of any kind. You know, I, I think I think I think players respond to that a lot. Yeah, we're talking to quarterback coach Clyde Christensen. How are you guys uh, working to? limit the turnovers because I know he knows that's not the goal. Yeah. I know every, it's it's yeah. not about not knowing. So at this point, what are the, the tangible things that you guys are trying to do in practice and game planning, whatever it is, to, to help him start limiting those? Yeah, we, we obviously haven't found the right answer, but we try everything. You know, it's kind of, I feel like trying to rephrasing it a different way, looking at it from a different angle every single week. But, you know, we do different things. Some of the new things we're doing is we'll, we'll watch the turnovers in the league. We'll watch, there's usually six, 15 or 16 quarterback fumbles a week in this league, which is shocking to me even, you know, that you just don't think of that. But balls are getting popped loose and, we're, and guys are careless with the football. And it's usually the teams that are losing, you know, that it's not the, the Bradys and the Breezes and the and uh, Green Bay and those and uh, so we look at those what had what caused them how they preventable we do the same with the interception reel we watch often his interceptions what could we have done different you know and and uh, and then we just talk about it a lot but we we haven't gotten it fixed it has to get fixed and uh, he knows it I know it we all know that and uh, and it, it's I think the hardest thing to teach in this league for is a quarterback who can get himself out of trouble and make some plays. We'd struggled with it with Andrew a lot, like that, that you know, when to give up on a play, when do you cut cut your losses and get rid of the ball and come back and get him the next drive, punt it and come back and give. These guys are wired such that it's it's hard for them to give up on a play, you know, that I get frustrated like he does, like fans do, like everybody does, is spinning out and, you know, Trying to, you're just trying to make something happen. It turns into a bad a catastrophe, and uh, that's a hard teach just because of how they're wired. It's hard to just give up on a play, and, and it's, a, it's a skill that has to be learned. He should, we should be learning it now. It's the fifth year. We're not a rookie anymore, and slowly but surely, I do think he's, he's gotten better on the protection thing and not taking the sacks and just being able to throw the thing out of bounds, but you know, we've still had the turnovers. We had the four this week, and, and they're not all... Not always on. They're not all on the quarterback. Ours is more. Ours are unit wide, but certainly, you know, our part is is significant, and we have to cut them out. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question. Bruce talked about after the game how um, he would say only about ten out of the eighteen are on Jameis so far. Um, I wanted to hear your thoughts on how significant that is, and and I'm sure that. All quarterbacks have that to a degree where they're not all going to be on every quarterback. Some go off the hands of receivers, yeah. things like that. So um, help us kind of put into perspective how much that is similar or different maybe to some other quarterbacks and, and what overall that would mean about Jameis's performance when, yeah, you don't want to just go based on solely the numbers when some of them are not completely his fault. So help us kind of put his performance into perspective. Yeah, so so we measure – I start we start measuring – quite a while ago just because something to so you could tell if you were getting better but a lot of times if you just look and you say hey the guy had 18 interceptions and then the next year he had 22 well did he get worse you know did we not improve in the area so but then you may look and only nine of them were the quarterbacks and the next year he cut it down to seven you know there might have been three Hail Marys at the end of the half two Hail Marys at the end of the game three deflected balls you know etc 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 so I thought for us it's really important to measure the cause, what had, what caused it, which ones are the quarterbacks, are we improving at it, and uh, and 
So that would be the thing. So he and and we've improved, but only minimally. We've got to make a we've got to make a big step. That we still have you know some aren't ours, but at the end of the day, we we've, we've had too many where we just and we 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 base them on are they decisions? Are they accuracy? Are they the defense? Are they the offense? You know, a lot of things go into it. But the ones that and then the, we'll label them bad ball if it's a bad decision and a bad throw. And so we we've had our share of all of the above right there. Defense makes their plays. We've had a couple. Drops that turned into interceptions that were unfortunate, and then, then we've had plenty that were us that we just we missed a guy, we threw a ball that you know on the wrong side of his headgear or something that gets you know gets picked, and uh, so those are the ones we'll work on. But we'll measure it, we measure it really closely, and uh, and we address it extremely regularly all the time, and it's it's the number one thing right now that we just have to get cleaned up. And when you talk about putting them into those sort of categories of if it was a mental error, if it was an mm-hmm. accuracy issue, more of a mechanical type thing, um, what is more typically the common thread with him and which one of those might be harder to fix? Is, is it easier to fix a decision making or a mechanical issue? Yeah, probably the mechanical for him. I think he's really fixed that, uh, fixing that. He's got that, he's throwing the ball extremely well. He's, I think he's four or five games over 300 now. So he's throwing the ball accurately. So his have been more on the decision making, whereas early when I first came in, I think some of them were the accuracy, right? You have a guy open and you you just miss him, or your ball goes sailing over his head and into the DB's hands. Those would be physical issues. But I think ours right now are more the mental ones and just when when to cut your loss. That, that that's that's basically what we we're addressing. When when do I just throw the ball away and come back another time and. Uh, and get them later on in the game. The, the great quarterbacks know they're going to get them. It may take them four quarters, but they'll get them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't have to happen on the first drive, right? It doesn't have to happen in the first quarter. It doesn't happen to ha- have to happen in the first half. But the, the, the great quarterbacks just know, hey, just be patient. And uh, we've always kind of, I always compare it to fighter pilots or SEAL teams. I, there was a year when I shagged a bunch, we, we went through all this with Andrew and you know, that he just wouldn't give up on a play, you know, just it was hard for him. And, uh, but, you know, watching a SEAL team mission, sometimes you, you go a long ways and you kind of got, you're there and you got the target and it's, but, but something's not quite right. Uh, the building isn't made out of the structure that you thought it was made out of, or there's more people in there than you thought there were, you know, and all of a sudden you just see them and they slip back out of there and they come back and get them another time, you know, so that it's kind of that same mentality, that, but but you're, they're wired. They're such high-performance guys. They're wired that hey, let's let's just go make it happen now. And that, that same thing happens with the quarterbacks. That you know, you just kind of they're just wired. And man, I, even though it's not perfect, it's not exactly the way we drew it up. And I think I could make this happen. And and that'll usually get you in trouble. Now there's some big plays that come out of it. But but at the end of the day, football football the football gods punish you for those things. And uh, and so that those would be the things we're trying to clean up. Yeah, and, and then finally, what is he best at mentally in terms of approaching the game? Yeah, he is a, he is a, he's an extremely smart guy. He remembers things. He, uh, you know, I think probably the, the biggest positive for him is just his mind and how his, his memory, you know, that he remembers everything. He remembers film. He remembers past plays. So I think his memory and uh, his recall of things is really the thing that's probably the most impressive. That's awesome. All right, well, we still have one more segment coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access with quarterback coach Clyde Christensen, brought to you by Advent Health. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians now continues, brought to you by Advent Health. 
Welcome back in. It is time for our final segment here on Buccaneers Total Access. We are here with quarterback coach Clyde Christensen. We just talked about Jameis and wanted to get some thoughts on the other quarterbacks in your room as well. I know that it was um, incredibly unfortunate that Blaine got hurt yeah. so early, but um, I wanted to hear just how, A, he handled that and then the ways that he's still been able to contribute even though he's been hurt. Yeah, it was really disappointing. He was having a great camp. I didn't know Blaine. He was, an, again, another new quarterback for me, but but a talented guy, works his tail off, was having a really good preseason and uh, just had the unfortunate scramble where it just hit wrong when he slid. And uh, But he's been terrific. He's been probably around more than, way more than we would have required him to. You know, a season was over, but he's he's at every meeting. He's, he's on time for every meeting. He prepares like he's playing and uh, really been impressive that way. And, and, of course, he was with Coach Arians in Arizona, so has a perspective again some experience that he can share with Jameis and sometimes with me also that uh, of, hey, here's what Bruce is looking for. Here's what Coach Arians is looking for. So he's been terrific and a positive guy, upbeat guy, and out there every day. And you see a lot of guys who get hurt like that and just disappear, you know, and they just kind of, which is okay. It's not, you know, it's not required that they be at everything. And, and he's he's chosen to be, which is kind of neat. Yeah, that is great. Um, how important are the backup quarterbacks I think that's something a lot of people don't think about in terms of the impact that they have in meeting rooms at practice throughout the week. When when people see that they're not playing, they just kind of think that they're just sitting over there not really doing anything. But how big can that be for Jameis to have those guys? Yeah, it's really, really, it's extremely important position. A, because they could be in there really quick, which you're seeing around the league. So many backups having to come in there and do, you know, Matt Moore in Kansas City and gives them a good, good short relief work there and uh, so they're really important because they may have to go in so you got to have a guy who doesn't need a bunch of reps which is unique a lot most guys need reps you need someone who doesn't need a bunch of reps and can get it mentally and then still perform when he goes in there and then also just how they are around your starting quarterback which Ryan and Blaine have been terrific and uh, but extremely important because they got to be supportive and sometimes you'll have the wrong guy and he's trying to undercut him in the locker room or undercut his leadership and you can't have that, and these guys have, you know, you want them supporting the leadership that, you know, the quarterback position is a tough position. It's tough to get the whole offense on the same page, and those guys are kind of cheerleaders slash lobbyists, if you will, as they work the locker room for your starting quarterback and and uh, just keep everyone on the same page, keep everyone positive, keep everyone going. And uh, so I think they've done, Ryan and Blaine have done a, a terrific job with that. That's great to hear. And how about for Ryan, just explain his potential essentially to us because, yeah. you know, it, unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, we've never gotten to see him in a regular season game, which is always how you want it with your backup quarterback. But um, he's been on this roster for several years and, uh, I think a lot of Bucks fans, you know, they don't get to see practice. They don't get to see all this stuff yeah. and, and want to know what does this guy bring and, and how NFL ready would he be if, um, you know, we'd never want to see it happen. But if something happened to Jameis and you mentioned how easy it can be to have yeah. a guy get called up, how prepared would he be? He would be extremely prepared. He's been impressive that way. When I got here, the, the general manager said, I, we really like this guy. And, uh, you know, it just hasn't happened where he's, where, where someone's got hurt and he's had to go in there. And, uh, so, the more film I watched, the more I liked him, and but there wasn't enough film to make him a two, so we did bring in Blaine. There just wasn't enough evidence, you know, even though I think probably a bunch of us believe he is a two in the league, and then he had the great preseason and had a couple comeback wins and two-minute drives for victories, so I think the Bucks fans did get a little taste of what he can do, and we got a taste of what he can do, so just I, I, he's going to get his chance, and he's I, I've been extremely impressed. Again, same thing that you can get discouraged. It's hard to just keep preparing when the game doesn't come. You know, yeah. it's hard to make yourself keep doing that 
when they're, it's hard to keep studying if there's no test, you know, in, in school. And, uh, and that would be the case of a backup quarterback to just keep doing it and not take a week and just relax. And all of a sudden that's the week they call for you in the bullpen and you're not ready. And he's really extremely diligent and uh, studies his tail off. He's been here, you know, he's been doing it. So I think you really have a veteran guy and, and think his chance is going to come. You know, the preseason was a great boost for him. Everyone got to see kind of what he could do and under pressure, even though it was in the fourth quarter of a preseason game, it's still what, you know, you still find a way to win games. So that's a, that's a great ingredient to have. And do you think it's important to get him some of those reps? It's sort of a catch-22 of, you know, we don't have the evidence to know what we have, but, yeah. we, you know, to, to try to create the evidence of, of when you put in, whether it's when, you know, Sunday's game, Jameis is a little hobbled, or if it's, you know, we're up big or something like that. Yeah. Do you feel like there's a need to get him in there? Yeah, you'd love to. It's harder to do than it's, you know, it's harder to do than it sounds, but, uh, you know, you'd love to do that. You'd love to get him some experience. You'd love to have a few games where you're up four touchdowns and you can get him in there and going, but, uh, you know, so... Uh, you know, it's not easy because these guys want their reps. A lot of times I like to give them Friday reps, but, you know, most of the quarterbacks won't go up, give up any of their Friday reps. And so Jameis wants them all. Peyton demanded them all. You know, Luck was a little a little more compliant and a little easy, easier going on those reps on Friday and stuff. So, But, but uh, it's, it's extremely difficult to get them quality reps. But if you watched practice, you would see Ryan in there trying to pick our defense apart and running the other team's offense and – and uh, you would see his call sheet marked up just like he was starting the game. And those, those are good indicators of, you know, that, that, that he's involved and that when his time comes, I don't have any doubt that he'll, he's going he's gonna to have a great career and he's going to get some playing time somewhere along the way here. Yeah, he sounds like he's preparing exactly as if he's going to yeah. be starting every single Sunday. That's great to hear. That's awesome. Well, Clyde, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate you joining us and all the insight on these uh, awesome guys that you have in your room. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Awesome. And thanks to all of you for joining us on another edition of Bucks Total Access brought to you by Advent Health. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians has been brought to you by Advent Health. With the support of world-class expertise and whole-person care, it's time to feel whole with Advent Health. To learn more, visit adventhealth.com. This is Tampa Bay's Sports Radio, 95.3 WDAE and AM620 St. Petersburg. Home of the best box coverage.